And we're live on the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. It's a solo podcast. It's just me, John Plumstead here. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk about biases, how to think, how to make sure we're doing our best to invest in amazing assets that can be good for our company, good for our, our investors, okay? What sparked this was I see people on retweet, on Twitter, real estate Twitter, and on all the kind of social media platforms, right? And everyone right now, like always, wants to make macroeconomic predictions. Everyone wants to say, hey, this feels a whole lot like 2008. It's about to crash. Or people say, you know, all the signs point to a super strong housing market. We're nowhere near crash. It's going to stay a, a bull market forever, okay? Bottom line, no, no one knows right? No one knows. We can find the smartest people in the world that say um, the economy is great. We're going to do, keep, you know, doing awesome things. We can find other very, very smart people that are like, hey, everything's wrong. Okay. Um, so what's, what's going to happen? Who knows? Okay. But what I think is important is trying to think through some of these problems, right? Trying to think through investing, try to, to think through what the good economic factors are and what the uh, potential negative economic factors are. Okay. And that's why I want to talk about how to think and biases today and, and give a couple resources as well. Okay. Uh, so two of my favorite resources are a book called, I think it's called Thinking Like a Rocket Science Scientist or How to Think Like a Rocket Scientist or something to that effect. I, I think that's uh, really easy to read. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all about how to think through a problem, right? How to use first principle thinking to, to think through a problem and come up with a, uh, solid solution. Then the other book, uh, is poor Charlie's almanac by Charlie Munger. And I have a love hate relationship with that book. I love it because it's, you know, maybe the best book ever written in terms of, you know, advice and, like a, a playbook to, to invest and live by. But also I hate it because it's so dense. Um, I find myself reading two or three pages and being like, hey, that's, about, that's about enough for today, okay? But uh, if you're looking for reading on these topics, I think thinking like a rocket scientist and poor Charlie's almanac should be on your list, okay? So um, why are we talking about thinking? Because I think if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an investor, if you're in private equity, if you are, you know, I look at me and Frank as on real estate entrepreneurs with a startup that is going from single family investing to storage investing with, with big goals to grow a real estate private equity company. Okay. Those are, those are big problems, right? And we're trying to use the playbook that was put put down by other people. Like, hey, do this, then do this, then do this, right? But the bottom line is there's still all kinds of opportunities for friction to come about where we have to go, okay, we are at a point where we need to make a decision. What decision should we make, right? So, so much of Frank and I's time isn't you know, hey, let's make sure we call this person. Hey, let's make sure we document this. Hey, make, let's make sure, you know, we put this PowerPoint slide together. Um, that's some of our 
life. But I think the majority of what we're doing is like, we've got this friction point in our business. We've got this unknown. How do we work together to get through this and come up with a great solution? Okay. I think about it like, you know, like, like problem solving, right? Like there's a problem in front of you. How do you think through solving that problem? How do you and your partner think through uh, solving that problem? Right. And, you know, I'm not going to lay out an exact process, but we'll lay out some things that is easy, that are easy to get wrong. I think number one is a lot of times it's hard to identify what the true problem is. A lot of times we want to say our business, our business isn't profitable. Okay. Well, that's a problem, but why isn't it profitable? Do we need more revenue? Do we need lower expenses? Do we need both? Is there a certain aspect of our business that is profitable? Um, is there part of our strategy that is working really well? And another part that's, that's, uh, sucking money out of the business, right? Like what is, what is the true problem? And then, um, you know, I, I like trying to brainstorm with, with Frank, you know, Adam gets in on it, uh, some too about how do we solve this problem, right? Like what are the potential solutions here? And then we try to do our best, at least in the early stages to encourage, you know, crazy, crazy ideas, right? Like, uh, what if we doubled the amount of, uh, people we have on our team? What if we cut our team members in half? What if we, instead of doing it in a specific area, what if we went nationwide? What if instead of doing a specific state, we went to a specific city? What if instead of doing multiple asset classes, we just do one asset classes, right? Like try to throw everything out there, big idea, small idea. Um, and sometimes we work it out then, but a lot of times what we do is we then split up. We think about it, we work out, you know, we take a day or two and then we come back and go, okay, how has your thinking evolved on this? Where are you now? Where do we go? Um, and we come up with what we think is the best solution. And then as my barber says, what do you do when you've come up with the perfect solution to a problem? What do you do when you come up with the perfect solution to a problem? My barber, who has great worldly advice, says when you come up with the perfect solution to a problem, sleep on it, right? So even when you think it's the perfect solution, go ahead and uh, sleep on it and uh, see if anything new comes, okay? Um, so here's here's a quote that I think is interesting. I'm going to talk about a few biases because if you're going through that problem-solving process and you have biases that are there, that are getting in your way, you need to try to recognize those biases because you're not going to get to as good of a of a solution. Okay. And this is a quote about biases by Alan Alda. Quote, your assumptions are your windows to the world. Scrub them off once in a while or the light won't come in. What's that mean? That means, end quote, right? If uh, your assumptions or your biases, sometimes they can get in the way of seeing the truth. And if you're trying to solve a problem and you're trying to get the best solution you can, you need to be able to get rid of those biases or see past those biases. So here's four common biases that I think a lot of investors and entrepreneurs struggle with um, for you to think about, right? So the next time you have a problem in your business or next time you're trying to come up with a strategy, I want you to think and say, hey, do I have these biases or does my partner have these biases or how can we talk about how these might be present, right? Number one is confirmation bias. 
And confirmation bias is a tendency to search for and interpret data that confirms your previously held beliefs, okay? So that means that if I believe the market's about to tank, I'm going to find data that backs that up, okay? That's confirming my bias. And the flip side of that, if I think we're in a bull market that's going to keep rocking and rolling, I am going to be drawn towards data that backs up that position, right? I think confirmation bias is is, uh, so clear in real estate, right? Because almost everyone has this thought of like, are we going about to go up? Are we about to go down? What's going on? And a lot of people have, hey, this is what I think. I've said this publicly. Now I need to confirm it over and over and over again. And it's it's really hard to, to break apart from, right? Like I think that 2022 is going to continue to be a rocking real estate market. I think we've got high demand, low supply. So I think real estate is going to continue rocking it throughout 2022, right? But I'm sure I have some confirmation bias there. And I've spent a lot of time trying to reinforce that bias that already exists. Okay. Let's go to the next one. The halo effect. Okay. This, there's two here. It's the halo effect and the horn effect. What it basically is, is um, basing everything on a first impression. The halo effect is you have a good first impression. So then you assume everything else about this person or about this situation or about this deal is good. And the horn effect is a bad first impression. So you assume everything else about that deal or about that person um, is negative as well. Okay. So uh, how does this come into play? Sometimes when you're looking at a specific deal, you know, there's something about the deal that you just love. Let's say, you know, you've been looking for property in Florida and you find a property right outside Tampa that, you know, you've been looking for a property for a while there. You finally found one. There's a chance you have a, it's going to have a halo effect. And because you found that property, you want it to work so bad that you're going to be blinded by some of your assumptions and bias. And you're going to make sure that when you get done analyzing that property, it's going to look beautiful. So you, so everything's going to tell you to invest there, right? Uh, you have to be careful, right? You really have to be careful not to fall in love with that deal, right? At the same time, the, the horn effect, right? You may have a deal that's in a location or maybe, you know, let, let's look at storage, right? Frank and I are trying to find storage facilities that are one location, right? Some of these, a lot of these, facilities, you'll look and it'll be, you know, 50,000 square feet, 100,000 square feet, but it might be two, three or four locations. And that just takes your, um, your expenses and drives them up. Right. So it's, it's better to have one location. So I'm sure there've been instances where I've looked at deals that were deals, but I've been like, this is three locations. I don't want to deal with this. Right. So everything else I looked at that deal, I'm like, but it's three locations. It's, it's probably crap. Right. So halo effect, horn effect can definitely influence you. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Self-serving bias. Okay. This is a tendency um, for reality to kind of be distorted. So one can kind of maintain their own self-esteem, meaning in a bull market, when things are going great, a lot of people like to take credit for it and be like, I'm a great investor. I've made great deals. Um, I know what I'm looking for. You should come follow me. I'm whatever, whatever, right? Um, it's self-serving. Any success they have, they're going to attribute that success to themselves. 
Uh, and then the, the flip side of that is when things go bad, they're going to blame other people. They're going to blame, um, you know, if it's a market crashes, they're going to blame the market. They're not going to talk about how they should have covered their downside to make sure, um, you know, they, they didn't take on too much risk, right? So self-serving bias is this idea uh, that people might be blinded to true causes of both success and failure because they're trying to maintain their own self-esteem, okay? Um, and then number four is the status quo bias. Status quo bias is basically everyone hates change, right? Um, so how does the status quo, maintaining the status quo, how, how would that influence decision-making, right? Um, no one wants to change your strategy. If you have a strategy for your business, it can be really hard to see new opportunities and see new strategies because that would likely force you to admit that the strategy you have isn't the perfect strategy and you need to change, right? This can also really happen um, when you think about staff members, right? There may be situations where you need more staff members, which are very comfortable with your team. And, you know, doubling the size of your staff would definitely change the status quo, right? It would definitely change the dynamics of the organization. Maybe even easier to see is reducing staff members, right? It is really hard to reduce staff members, but there's times where you look at your business potentially and, you know, everything in your business is going well, but your payroll is way bigger than it needs to be. And you need to change the status quo. You need to change the company. You need to change the org chart. You need to, unfortunately, separate and lay off with some of your team members to make sure you have a healthy organization, status quo bias, okay? So where do you go from here? Um, I'm, I'm all about mindset. And I think this is, this is some mindset stuff. But this is also, you know, if, if you read a lot of the uh, Warren Buffett stuff, I think it has a lot more to do with mindset than it do is that does with actual investing. So I think studying um, psychology of other people, psychology of yourself is really important. That's what I think this is, is. How can we, as business owners, as real estate investors, create the best business we can? How can we be the best investors we can? I think we need to understand our own psychology to be able to do that, okay? And again, if you want more information on this, if you want to uh, do some more research on this stuff. Highly recommend the book, um, Thinking Like a Rocket Scientist, and then Poor Charlie's Almanac is very good too. Okay. Thanks for listening. Take care.